Welcome to the All Nations Aurora podcast, where you will find family, discover purpose, and change the world. We're so glad you're here. And wherever you're listening from, we believe that God will speak directly to your life through this message. We are about to begin a brand new series here at All Nations Aurora. Yay! All right, we're going we're gonna to work this out. I'm going to say it again. Y'all ready? I'm going to hit the rewind button. Here we go. In three, two, one. We're about to start a brand new series here at All Nations Aurora. <laughs> yeah, man. I'm excited because I'm such a Bible nerd that, that we're going to do something a little bit different uh, with this series. Typically, with a, a message series, it's, it's a topic, and then we use the Word of God to point to that topic, but, but to, for this next series, we're actually gonna walk through a book of the Bible because I strongly believe that your Bible is your cheat code. I mean, it's got all the cheat codes in it. We overcomplicate how we're supposed to do this thing and how we're supposed to live out our faith, but the answers are in the book of the Bible. And so I've always found that if, if, if I find myself in a place to where I feel not as connected to God, not as close to God, there's usually a couple of reasons. Usually I'm deficient in being in his presence and or I'm deficient in being in his word. So I'm gonna do, send y'all an alley-oop and all y'all gotta do is slam it home. Cause we are gonna open up a particular book of the Bible for the next several weeks, and we're going to just see what it has to say. So this series we're going to call Living Life. Living Life. And in this particular series, we're going to be walking through the book of Galatians. The book of Galatians is a pretty cool book, guys. So historically speaking, in your Bible, in the New Testament, there are 27 books, right? Now, 21 of those 27 books are what's called epistles. The word epistle is just a fancy Bible word that means letters. It means that they were literal letters written. So it would be talked by someone, written on a scroll by a scribe, and then that person would review everything and send it by a trusted messenger. And usually these uh, letters or epistles were either written to a particular church or it was written to the leader of a church. And they were all written for different reasons, dealing with different subject matter. This particular book, Galatians, was written by the Apostle Paul. Now, the Apostle Paul had an encounter with Jesus, and as a result of that encounter, he really believed that Jesus was sending him to preach the gospel to the Gentiles. The word Gentile just means non-Jewish people. Anybody that was not a Jew was a Gentile. So he went from place to place, and what he would do is he would plant a church, he would establish a local pastor, and then he would move on to the next. Y'all with me so far? So that's called apostolic leadership. You're sitting in a church that's founded on apostolic leadership. We are the local pastors, but we have apostolic leadership in the form of Apostle Matthew and Camila Stevenson, who planted us here, and now they're on to the next assignment. 
And so this was what was going on in Paul's day as well. And so what happened here when it came to the Galatians was he established the church, he labored with the church, he put leadership over the church, and then he left. But after he was gone, he started getting some reports that things were not going the way that they should go. Because after he left, some other people came in talking something different than what Paul taught them, and they fell for it. Y'all with me so far? So here's what you have to understand about the church that we have right now. What we call church in 2022 is a result of something that happened long ago called Protestantism. Protestantism came into play because there was a period in our history where people tried to add a whole bunch of rules to the simplicity of the gospel and complicate the gospel, okay? And so what happened is there were some people who went to the word of God to say like, this is different than what's in here. And there were two major books of our Bible that these people used to bring the gospel back to the pure form that it was intended to. It was the book of Romans and the book of Galatians. The book of Romans teaches us what the gospel is. The book of Galatians teaches us what the gospel is not. So if you think of it in a sports analogy, the book of Romans is offense pushing the gospel forward, and the book of Galatians is defense, keeping out things that are not the gospel from trying to be determined as the gospel. Are you with me? So that's why we are gonna walk through the book of Galatians and we are gonna learn how to live this life. There are six uh, chapters in the book of Galatians. And so for the next six weeks, we're gonna pull something out of each chapter that's gonna help us live life according to the simplicity of the gospel. Is that all right? So we're gonna start our conversation in the first chapter of Galatians. So go to Galatians 1, and we're gonna start right at the first verse. I'm gonna start my uh, reading in the NIV. Galatians 1, 1 is where we're gonna begin. If you got it, say I got it. If you don't say, hold up. All right, we'll wait on the androids. <laughs> All right, Galatians 1, starting at verse 1. Paul, an apostle, sent not from men, nor by a man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead. He had to first establish and let them know who he was. He was nothing like what they were currently listening to. He said, I don't know if you know this, but I came from Jesus directly. Like I had an encounter with him, he taught me, he gave me this assignment, and as a result of my encounter with him is what I gave you. I ain't like them other dudes you talking to right now. He just had to let them know. <laughs> and all the brothers and sisters with me, to the churches in Galatia, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age, according to the will of God and Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. And all the church said. Amen. Now, verse 6 
And verse 7 is where we are going to park today. Verse 6 says this, I am astonished. He was like, I can't believe how y'all acting right now. He said, I am astonished that you all are so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. That's key. Write that down. A different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. We're going to get there. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, uh, we honor you today because we need you today and every day. We want to be more like you, and we need your help to even do that. So we ask that you speak to our hearts through this word today, that you give us the victory over everything uh, that is trying to defeat us. And, and Lord, we just ask that you also give the bulls the victory today as they go up against the bucks. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Listen, listen, if you saw that last game, you know, you know the bulls need our prayers right now, okay? The Bible says you can ask anything in his name. Come on. <laughs> so today's message is called Living a Double Life. All right, I want to put everybody at ease. So turn to your neighbor real quick. Put this finger, like point, it, point, point your pointer finger at your neighbor and say, neighbor, oh neighbor, he's not talking about me, but he might be talking about you. Amen. I just want nobody to be offended. I'm not talking about you. We're talking about your neighbor. <laughs> so what happened? Um, Paul did his thing, planted the church at Galatia, left, moved on to the next church, and some false teachers showed up. You have to understand that the gospel is new at this time. The gospel, the fact that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, something we talked about last week, is new on the scene. Prior to this, the dominant religion was Judaism. That was the Old Testament. Jesus came and abolished and tore it down and built a new covenant with his people through his life, through his death, and through his burial, and through his resurrection. And so that's what Paul gave them, the gospel. Now that word takes on so many different definitions depending on who you ask, but if you just go back to its original intent, it's the word euangelion, which just means God's good news. God's good news. And Paul talks about it. He gave, when we were reading the first few verses of our text today, he gave a summary of what the good news of Jesus Christ is. He said, to the churches in Galatia, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Here it is, who gave himself for our sins to rescue us, to rescue us. That's important for you not to glance by. He rescued us. We didn't choose him. We didn't come to our senses and say, you know what, let me get my, let me get my life together. I think, I think I'm ready for the Lord now. That's not what happened. And so he wants everybody, including us, to realize that Jesus rescued us. And if we don't realize that we needed rescuing, we have missed the gospel. 
So what happens time after time after time over history and even present day is that we take the gospel and we add things to it that shouldn't be added to it. And so what was happening is that a bunch of rules and regulations and a bunch of tasks were added to the gospel. So if you didn't do these things, you were not one of Jesus's. And Paul is like, that's not how this thing goes. And he uses the terminology rescued us. Let's make it real simple. Let me help you understand what he's trying to convey to us. Imagine for one second that you fell off a boat and you don't know how to swim like your boy. And you're starting to drown. Would it be a good idea for the person on the boat to throw you a rule book that taught you how to swim? Hey, hey, I see you're drowning. Here are some instructions on how to swim. That's what happens when you add additional things to the gospel. The gospel is this. You were drowning and God threw you something to help you stop drowning, his life. He didn't throw you a rule book and say, listen, memorize seven scriptures today. Make sure you take communion on the first Sunday of every month. All those things are fine and great, but it's not the gospel. The gospel is that he came and rescued us because we were drowning and we didn't have it in us to rescue ourselves. And so that's what Paul is trying to combat now because he has left and these people have shown up and he, these people have caused a division in the church. Here at All Nations Aurora, as an example, if you decide that the Lord has spoken to your heart and that this should be your church, we have what's called discovery class where we help walk you through discovering who you are to him and what he wants you to do here at All Nations and how he wants you to go and change the world. Now, here, they created a new members class that makes me a little uncomfortable. Here's what the debate was about. Because remember, the dominant religion of the day was Judaism, which was different than what these Gentiles knew anything about. One of the ways that the Jewish people were different from everybody else was they got circumcised on the eighth day of their birth. So one of the things that these new teachers were trying to teach was that you can't really consider yourself a part of this new faith without being circumcised. Now these grown men, hmm? <laughs> Fellas. Now these had to be some good salesmen. Because Ain't no way. In my grown status, are you figuring to convince me the only way I can join your church? Come on, can you imagine if, if that was a requirement of discovery class? Like, listen, I'm gonna need all the dudes that, like it would be nothing but women in class. The husband would be like, yo, I'm gonna just, I'll wait for you in the car, just let me know how it go. <laughs> but that's what, one of the things that they were doing was trying to convince, and, and they did. That's why Paul was like, I'm, I'm blown away that you dummies are listening to the, I didn't tell you that. Why would you do that? <laughs> because that's not 
the gospel. That's not the good news that God is trying to get us to see. And so some of us are sitting in seats within ourselves and we think that God is keeping a score. We think that God is up there with a checklist and that unless we check each and every block, he's mad at us. He's disappointed in us. He doesn't love us. That is not the gospel. Now, some of you are getting super uncomfortable with the direction that I'm going in right now because you like rules. <laughs> You've been in church all your little life. <laughs> and you're and you good at following all the church rules. And you don't like to hear that all them rules is not the gospel. I can feel the offense in the room. <laughs> but all I'm going to do is, is use the Bible to make a case. Is that okay? That we don't need to, to overcomplicate a gospel that is real simple. And you'll see through scripture that this isn't a new problem. This didn't just happen to the people at the Church of Galatia. As a matter of fact, we're going to take a look back in Genesis. We're going to look at the very first story in Genesis, and you'll see the same problem. And if you read on your own time, if you read the end of Revelations, you're going to see the same problem there. So this is an issue from cover to cover that the Lord has to keep reminding us and teaching us of the simplicity of the gospel. Because remember, we were just singing about how powerful his presence is. And so you don't come into his presence and stay in his presence, spend time in his presence and leave out the same. That's the gospel. It's faith in him, not faith in you, not faith in your ability, faith in him. Here's a question that needs to guide you every single day. It's a question I ask myself every day. It's a question you should start asking yourself every day. How am I going to be more like Christ today? Don't leave the house without asking yourself that. How am I going to be more like Christ today? That should be a desire within your heart. You shouldn't want to continue to be you. Because being you got you what you got. There should be a desire to change. There should be a desire to be all that God wants you to be. And it starts with you realizing that you have a rescuer and a savior that you need daily, every single day. So I am going to travel back because here at All Nations Award, this is the Genesis year. That is the prophetic theme of this house that God gave us before we even open the doors of this church, that year one was the Genesis year, and that for everybody connected to this house, that there were gonna be areas of yourself that are currently without form, and he is going to take that and form something great and new out of you. It's already happening. People keep telling me stuff, and I just look surprised, like, oh, for real? God's challenging you in a new way? Wow, would have never saw that coming. And I just, I just love how God's doing it, even when people aren't aware, and that's just how good God is. So we're gonna go to Genesis 
the second chapter. We keep ending up in just, I don't even be trying, but God keeps pointing us back here to the very first story. This is what happened immediately after creation. After the creation story ended, the first narrative begins with Adam and Eve. So we're going to start uh, at chapter number two, verse number eight. Then the Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east, and there he placed the man he had made. The Lord God made all sorts of trees grow up from the ground, trees that were beautiful and that produced delicious fruit. In the middle of that garden, he placed the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. I don't want you to miss the fact that there were two trees. We often just focus on the tree where the fruit was, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Uh -uh. God put two of them there. He gave access to one, said, this one's cool. And he said, this one over here, not cool. Again, he gives and then he warns. He gave them something that they could have and asked them to stay away from something that would be of no good to them. Then if we jump down to verse 16, but the Lord God warned him, you may freely eat the fruit of every tree in the garden, except the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. If you eat its fruit, you will surely die. So this is the conversation that he's having with Adam and Eve, and these are the instructions. So there was put before them two gospels. You can either eat from the tree of life, where you will be satisfied, sustained, fulfilled, you will have everything you need. But if you decide, because it's a choice, if you decide that you're gonna eat from the knowledge of, uh, of good and, and of evil, the result is that you're going to die. How many know that you have an enemy that's out to destroy you every single day? We're gonna talk about the gospel and the good news, but you need to know that there's some bad news, that you have an enemy who is out on a daily basis trying to divert you and confuse you about the good news. And so we find his entry into this narrative in chapter number three. In verse one, the serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord God had made. One day he asked a woman, did God really say you must not eat the fruit from any of the trees in the garden? She started off good. She said, of course, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, the woman replied. It's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we are not allowed to eat, God said. You must not eat it or even touch it. If you do, you will die. Satan's response, no, you won't. Nah, you won't die, the serpent replied to the woman. And here's why you won't die, Eve. God knows that your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat it, and you will be like God. Now, wait a minute. So I don't want you to think that Eve was tempted to do something bad. She was tempted by the fact that the serpent promised her that she would be more godly. Mm. Sometimes that new gospel makes you think that if you do this, you'll be more godly. It's the same temptation 
from way back when. He tempted her with the thought that she could be closer to God if she listened to him. And so that's why they tell you not to wear makeup, ladies. And that's why they say you can't wear pants. And that's why they say send no preacher be up there with no jeans on. Because they want to add stuff to make you think that if you do those things, you're less like God. But if you got you a three-piece suit and some gaiters, oh yeah, you're going to be much closer to God when you do that. I'm just saying, it's a different gospel. It's a different gospel. And what Paul said in that same passage of scripture was, it's no gospel at all. Why? Because there's only one. There's only one gospel. It's not the gospel plus anything else. It's that Jesus came, died, was buried, and got up for you. That's the gospel. That's the gospel. And so quite often we are presented just like the people in Galatia, just like Eve, with two choices. We're given two gospels. And so I'm going to give you three ways that these competing gospels present themselves. Sample number one, one focuses on what you do and the other focuses on what Jesus has done. One focuses on what you do and one focuses on what Jesus has done. And you have to choose which is the gospel. Because Paul said that another gospel is no gospel at all, so there's only one right answer. Either the gospel is based on you and your ability and your good behavior, or it's based on the perfect work of Jesus Christ. John 5 and uh, 39 says, you search the scriptures because you think they give you eternal life. But the scriptures point to me. You see how church stuff looks like a good gospel, but it's actually no gospel at all? Because what John was saying, what, what Jesus was saying to the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees was like, you spend all this time studying the text, breaking it down, making sure that you teach it real good, but you missed the point. Everything that you're studying is about me. And I'm right in front of you. Because it's erroneous to think that our pathway to getting closer to our Savior is off of human effort. The pathway to getting closer to our Savior is to focus on our Savior. I don't know if you know this, but your text, your scripture is Jesus. It's him. From Genesis to Revelation, it's about him. So if you show up to the book trying to do your Christian due diligence instead of trying to find your Savior, you're the victim of a different gospel. You should never show up to this Bible with condemnation in your heart. Because we, we read through these stories and we're and we just like, man, y'all are dumb. Like, 
Eve, why did you bite the fruit? Like, duh. Adam did too. We look at the, the children of Israel and they're going around for 40 years. They're like, come on, guys, get it together. We look at Peter and say, Peter, come on. Every time we read, like, Peter, don't do it. Do not deny him. Don't do it. The rooster's going to crow. And we look at them with condemnation. Instead, we should show up to this Bible every time we open it with curiosity. We should show up looking for Jesus, looking for how can I become more like him? What is this scripture? What is this chapter? What is this book trying to help me to do in this life so that my life looks like him? John 5, uh, 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 it says, you refuse to come to me to receive this life. Right after that, you refuse to come to me. You're coming to the Bible because you want more head knowledge. You're not coming to this Bible because you want more of me. That's the difference between these two opposing gospels. It's not based on rules, it's based on a relationship. I know some people outside of the church context have taken that word and tried to make, I don't need the church, I, need, I just need a relationship with Jesus. That's not what he's saying. Because there's also scripture that says that we shouldn't forsake together the assembling of the saints. So you gotta, you gotta love the whole counsel of the scripture. Not just a little bit of here, a little bit of this and a little bit of that. We love the whole Bible here at All Nations of the World. But what you do need to make a priority is not head knowledge. It's a relationship with Jesus. I want more of Jesus in my life. I need more of Jesus in my life. That's the real gospel. Example number two, two opposing gospels sometimes show up like this. One focuses on getting God's approval, and the other focuses on receiving God's love. One focuses on receiving God's approval. One focuses on receiving God's love. I know some of us have um, really been perfect Christians from the day that we asked Jesus into our life. I know there's a few of you in here that have just really knocked this whole Christianity thing out. Just been nailing it, straight A's. But then there are others who have had a challenging journey. There are others who have had some challenging circumstances in their life and they've made some decisions that they shouldn't have made. And then what tends to happen is because we believe the gospel that requires us to get God's approval, we run and we hide because we don't think God approves of us. But the true gospel is the receiving of God's love. And here's something that you need to know about God's love. His love is unconditional. The Bible tells us that he came and delivered the gospel by giving up his life while we were yet sinners. And that's because he loves us. And because he loves us, he approves of us. Now, he doesn't enjoy us making wrong choices and ending up in sin, but because he loves us unconditional, his love is available to change our life 
around. We're not running a race to get God's approval. When we decide that the good news is good enough and we need his love in our life, we've already won. We've already won. And so what happens is his love impacts us to the degree that we don't want what we used to want. His love impacts us to the degree that we don't want to behave like we used to behave. It's not based on me and my ability to change myself. It's based on his love changing me all by itself. That's the gospel. 1 John 5 and 3 says this. Loving God means keeping his commandments and his commandments are not burdensome. So here's the third way that this dichotomy of gospels shows up. One focuses on eternal duty and one focuses on internal desire. That's why that scripture says that the commandments aren't burdensome because as a result of me receiving God's love, I have this desire on the inside to be pleasing to him. I have a desire on the inside to get closer to him every single day. I might stumble, slip, fall, but I am going to keep pursuing him because of this internal desire that the commandments aren't burdensome. So when I read in the Bible and, and it says that thou shalt not steal and, and it says that, that we should be faithful to our spouses and that we should not forsake the assembly, like what he's instructing me to do, it doesn't feel like a burden because I'm in the word with curiosity to find out how to be more like him. And so when I find out how to be more like him, I'm excited to do it. Not because I think I have this eternal duty that I have to keep up with. It's only because I have a desire on the inside of me to be in his presence, to be in his will. I want to be like him. And that's why I'm in this pursuit. That's why I am running this race. First John 5 and 12 says, whoever has the son has life. Whoever does not have God's son does not have life. And so we're not pursuing a Christian life. We are pursuing the Christ. And in pursuit of the Christ, our life will come into alignment. If we pursue him with a pure heart and pure motives, his presence has to change us. We can't stay the same. It's impossible to meet Jesus and stay the way that you are. Impossible. And so that's why the pursuit is simple. Jesus, I want to hear from Jesus. I need to know what Jesus has to say, because if I stick with that, everything else is going to fall into place. That doesn't mean that life's perfect. That doesn't mean there won't be challenges. That doesn't mean there won't be hurt. That doesn't mean there won't be grief. That doesn't mean there won't be problems because the Bible tells us that there will be. But we can have those things and have Jesus help us through those things, which is way different than people who have to go through those things without him. But because we have him, 
we can go through it. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. It's there, it's present, it's happening, but I don't fear it because my good shepherd's with me. He's helping me. It still hurts. I still cry. I'm still upset. It's still painful, but somehow I have the strength to put one foot in front of the other. Somehow I have the strength to get up out the bed. Somehow I have the strength to continue on keeping on. It wasn't because of me. I'm not special. He's God. And because he's God and he's with me, even through this pain and these problems, I'm going to make it. I'm going to be all right. So we have to stop living a double life where we are trying to add on to what the gospel is. We're trying to win God's approval. We're trying to win God's favor. We're trying to win God's affection. That's not the gospel. That's a double life and you have to end it now. So let's talk about how to stop living a double life. Step number one is simple, fall in love with Jesus. Mm, mm. Don't go by that too fast. Fall in love with Jesus. That has nothing to do with a church building. That has nothing to do with anything other than you dedicating your affection toward a savior who made the decision to love you first. That by itself should fuel you more than your pursuit of anything else. Your pursuit of wealth, your pursuit of love, your pursuit of everything has to go to the side as you pursue him. When you realize who he is, like really think about it. Really think about how messed up you are. I know that's not real pastoral, but listen, think about how real messed up you are. Because don't nobody know you like you. So think about how messed up you are. Ashley was telling me she a fighter. I was like, Ashley, how you smile and fight? So when you really think about how messed up you are, you really, really get a clearer picture of how good he is. Your problem is you think you're pretty good. Yep, it got quiet. Your problem is you think you got this thing nailed down. You think you're doing him a favor by showing up here. You think you, you, you're a good representative of what the Christian life is. You think, you think he needs you. Uh-uh. He don't need you at all. I know that's not pastoral either, but I just thought I should let you know. He don't need you. He don't need me. We need him. And the fact that we need him and he has made himself available to us should make us fall in love. There should be nothing that could separate us from his love because he said that there's nothing that can separate us from his. So if there's something that can separate Jesus from your love, there's a problem. Because he has made it clear that there is absolutely nothing that you can do that will separate him, that will separate you from his. That should make you fall in love with Jesus. And when you fall in love with Jesus, your life 
never is the same. John 14 and 15 says, if you love me, uh-oh, here comes the accountability, obey my commandments. So your ability to obey his commandments is a result of your love for him. The question is, if you, if, you, if you look at that scripture, is what side of the comma are you on? Are you pursuing love or obedience? Are you trying so hard to obey that you're forsaking your pursuit of the love? Because the scripture says, if you pursue the love, the obedience will come. But the other gospel says, no, 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 no. Here's your rule book. Here's your Christian rule book. If you don't do this, you're not it. You're not in. How many scriptures did you read today, huh? Huh? Now, did you read it in the King James? Hold on, did you read it in the King James? Wait, were you baptized in Jesus' name? Come on. Or the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost? Which one? Because it matters. Not. That's another gospel. It's another gospel. And we have to be very careful of falling for another gospel. That's why you can't show up and read about the Galatians and look down on them. Because what they were tempted with was the ability to be more like him, just like Eve. They thought they were tricked. That's why the Apostle Paul said, somebody must have confused you. Because they were being taught that this is actually how you get closer to God. They were not, in their mind, they were not pursuing something bad. They were in pursuit of getting closer to God, but they were doing it all wrong. And I don't want us to do it all wrong. Second way that you stop living a double life, don't allow condemnation. Don't allow condemnation. I'm going to use the Bible because I know you religious folks are upset. Romans 8 and 1. So now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. Stop trying to win God over. Because as soon as you stumble, you automatically feel as though his love is no longer available for you. You automatically feel disqualified and unqualified to be a part of his family. And that is another gospel that's not the gospel. He does not condemn you. He wants to heal you. He does not condemn you. He wants to deliver you. He does not condemn you. He wants to set you free. There is no condemnation except for in certain churches. Third way that we stop ourselves from living a double life and pursuing a gospel that's not a gospel at all is we have to make the choice every single day. Every single day. Some of us have been saved so long that we don't think we need a daily re-up with God. You need to re-up every morning because your enemy's re-ing up. 
he get he getting his stuff together for the new day. So you need to again wake up before you head out that door. How can I be more like Christ today? Daily. It's a daily choice. It's a daily decision. Deuteronomy 30 and 19 says, today I have given you. This is our call. This is how we're going to close. This is our invitation. This is the point. This is the end of the message right here. Today I have given you the choice between life and death. Between blessings and choices. Now I call on heaven and earth to witness the choice you make. Oh, that you would choose life so that your descendants might live. God never just has you in mind. He wants you to make the right choice, not just for you and for your sake, but so your descendants might live. That's a different level of responsibility. And that's a different level of love. He's not just trying to bless you. He's trying to bless your great grandkids through you. What a mighty God we serve. That he not only wants to change your life, but he wants to change your legacy. What a mighty God we serve. But as he said, he's given you two choices. And you, you get to choose. Some of us need to make a decision today. Some of us have been pursuing another gospel that's not a gospel at all. And because it's not a gospel at all, we're not really with him like we thought we were. There is a problem. And that's okay, because he's made himself the solution. We don't have to stay stuck. We don't have to stay distanced. We don't have to stay away from him. We can choose, just like he gave Eve a choice. You can choose the tree of life, or you can choose the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And even after her and Adam made the decision to choose the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, he still made a way for them. He still, as a, as a preview, of what Jesus would do, he sacrificed an animal and the blood of that animal for their sins. And so here's the good news, the euangelion, is that Jesus has already paid for your sins. Jesus has already paid for your bad decisions. Jesus has already paid for your mistakes. And God doesn't require an additional payment. It's paid in full, and it's available to each and every one of us. Let's bow our heads, every head bowed, every eye closed. It's a sacred moment. Because God 
has set before you, each and every one of us, a decision to choose life or to choose death. Why? Oh, that you would choose life so that you and your descendants might live. So as you, as you begin to just open your heart, don't just have you and your situation in mind, but think about your descendants. Think about those to come behind you. God wants to bless them, even if they're not alive yet. God wants to bless them, and especially if they are alive. He wants to bless them through your life. So here's the decision that you're making with your eyes closed and head bowed. One, you may need to make the decision to allow Jesus to be your savior. Or you may need to make the decision to start to pursue the actual gospel. Maybe you've been hurt. Maybe you've been hurt by church people. Maybe you've been hurt by those who you loved with all your heart and that pain affected your ability to receive the love of God. Well, he wants you to come back home. He wants you to know that his love for you is unconditional. But he's also giving you the choice to make. He won't make it for you. So as I pray, you pray. Pray it out loud, pray it to yourself, but it's important that you speak this prayer. Father, we love you with all of our heart. We recognize that there is one true gospel. That gospel is this, that you left heaven, that you came to earth, that you lived the perfect life, that you died on a cross, that you were buried and that you were resurrected. I recognize that I am a sinner and I am in need of a savior. Father, save me because I can't save myself. I want you to be the Lord over my life. I open my heart to receive your unconditional love towards me. I believe that you are the only son of God and I surrender all to you right here and right now. And it's in the mighty name of Jesus Christ that I pray this prayer. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. For more ways to stay connected, visit us at allnationsaurora.com. Be sure to subscribe and share this podcast with your family and friends. Thanks for listening. Now go out and change the world.